0: How are we all? That's good. If you are out in the foyer, if you want to make your way back to your seats, that would be awesome. Today we are are launching into a collection of talks that will span over uh, two weeks, so today and next Sunday, called The Supernatural, or just Supernatural. And uh, the bottom line is, you know, as a church and as followers of Jesus and as Christians, there is obviously a supernatural element to our faith. There's a supernatural element to uh, what we believe, there's a supernatural element to how we outwork our faith. But um, I'm not sure what your experiences have been, but often I think uh, as Christians we can often have two approaches. To Firstly, welcome Pastor Brandon. Thank you so
1: much Pastor Jerry.
0: It's great to have you with us. Thank
1: you, glad to be up here with you.
0: Uh, There can often be two, uh, I guess, approaches to the supernatural. I think in one camp or in one group, we think, you know what, this is just all a little bit too ambiguous. Uh, I don't understand it because it is outside the natural realm and so therefore I will just put my head in the sand and whatever will be, will be. But then I think in the other group, there are, are people that become uh, almost obsessed with the supernatural to the point where they probably lose uh, the, the the idea of being present in the here and now, and so deep down I think we all know that there is a supernatural element to to faith and there's a supernatural element to Christianity I mean you only there's so many I guess biblical references, but the one that of course jumps to, to my mind is um, the virgin birth I mean that is that that is a supernatural event and it's you know obviously that was the Jesus arriving here on on earth uh, but there's obviously many others so deep down I think we know that we're different. But at the same time, I think the average punter or the average, not that we're average, but the average Christian just, I know there's something there, but it it, it sometimes can be a little bit hard. And and I don't want to be labeled the weirdo in my workplace, but I know that there is a supernatural element to my faith. Um, And I want to jump to a quote that I I can't remember when you first said it, but you made this statement, I think it was from this pulpit, uh, that God is constantly putting his super on our natural. And I wonder whether you could just take just a few moments, I think that's a good basis to work from, as we jump into a few questions and a few things around the supernatural of, of what that actually looks like. We know that there is a supernatural, but what does it mean by God's putting his super on our natural?
1: Thanks, Pastor Jared. <clears throat> and uh, can I just reiterate the whole idea of, <clears throat> excuse me, our Christianity, there is absolutely nothing natural about being a Christian. There is a whole we, – we've got to get our heads around these people. I mean, oftentimes we, we tend to get so caught up in the here and the now and, and, and what we see. Um, but, of course, we understand that it's more about the what's the unseen than what's the seen. And although we are so always looking at the scene, we can never forget that it's more about what's happening on in the unseen than the seen – and so coming back to this idea of the natural, so the natural is the scene, that's, well, that's us sitting here looking at one another and, <clears throat> and we can get, you know, we can just get preoccupied with that, but we can never forget that God is a, it, he lives in another realm and, uh, and the fact of the matter is that we are spirit beings before we're human beings. I mean, honestly, when I say that, I wonder whether you actually just go, "Yeah, that's true," but I don't really get it because I'm not sure. The fact of the matter is, you've got to really understand that. Really got to believe that. But more than anything else, you're a spirit being first before you're a human being, and uh, and so the human being part is the natural, but but God, of course, the Father of spirits, the one who gave us our human spirit, He is the one who is constantly putting His super on our natural and if we would only understand and accept that we are living in the place where God is constantly going before us and with us all the time and he is always putting his super on our natural uh, and how many times is it that we forget to even think but we honestly think that we're doing it all by ourselves we actually think that we're getting through life on our own we think that when we do great stuff that we did it And so many times it had nothing to do with us and the way that God has already been moving with us or before us and gone before us and and working with us. And I think so many times me included so guilty of not taking the opportunity of saying thank you to him on on a, a daily if not every moment of the day thinking father you are with me you are for me you're going before me you're the one who's actually carrying me i'm not actually doing this on my own uh, i am actually not able to do it on my own even though i like to sometimes think i am so god is constantly putting his super on our natural and we need to remember that we are not just the natural the human being that's that's we are the spirit being so the spirit being um, before we are a human being, and remember that God is always putting His super on our natural.
0: Yeah, and I think yeah, I think that's it's obviously uh, important to understand to have that awareness of of the spirit realm, even though that we live in the natural realm. Whatever we do, uh, Paul talks about it in, in Ephesians chapter six that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, uh, so not against other people, but against uh, powers and rulers in the spirit realm. And so naturally, we would think that we obviously have good, which is God, but then we also have evil. Uh, Several years ago, we did a series um, on Lucifer. I'm not sure if you remembered it, but you preached in that series. And you talked about how uh, the devil, the enemy, Lucifer, whichever name you'd like to use there, is a defeated foe. But often, I think we can sometimes view, when we read uh, uh, Ephesians 6, verse 12, and we think that the, the struggle that... God and Lucifer, they're some, somehow they're still warring against each other and there's this, this spiritual war that constantly goes on. I wonder whether you could speak into, as, as believers, how do we approach, you know, we can use terms like spiritual warfare, a spiritual attack, as a as senior pastor or even just as a believer, how do you approach those things, knowing that the enemy is a defeated foe? We know that that happened at the cross of Calvary. But how do we approach things like spiritual warfare and those kind of terminology that we might hear? Thanks, mate. I,
1: I, I 100% love what you said just to qualify that. You know, we can get so caught up with the terms of whether there's a spiritual warfare and whether then we get spiritual attacks. Can I just make it clear, um, more than anything else, how much do you actually believe that the work of the cross is finished? Is there anything left to do? When Jesus said that he accomplished everything that he was meant to do, and that he trampled over all powers of darkness, and that he took the keys of hell and of death, and that his name is now the Lord above all lords, the King of kings, and that he is the Lord Jesus Christ. How much do you really believe in the work of the cross and that it's been finished? And do you actually appropriate that in your world and in your life? Because if you do that, if you come to the place of really accepting that when Jesus said he had done everything that needed to be done, then you start to realize, well, where's the battle? He's he's a defeated foe. Mm. Did he get back up again? What happened there? If you, think you've, if you think you're still fighting the devil, well, then you're actually insulting Jesus because you're telling Jesus he didn't actually do a good enough job. So I get really a little bit stirred up when I hear people talking about you've, got, you've really got to remember how to, you know, spiritual warfare, you've got to get in, get in there and fight the devil. Well, I don't. But, but look, knock yourself out. <laughs> if you want to go ahead and get into all that stuff, go for it. Uh, but...
0: I don't and I don't see the need for it. How would you then because then the Bible does talk about how the devil is roaming this world looking to whom he might devour so then how do you reconcile that knowing that we still have to be aware of there's there's an evil presence in the world we can't deny that so then how as believers do we then approach that?
1: See this is the point this is this did not say that that Uh, Satan and the fallen angels have not still got opportunity within the world to influence the world and to do the things that we see happening around us and start to realise actually that's a consequence of what's going on in the spiritual realm. You see, there is a spiritual warfare, but it's in heaven. It's in the heavenlies. And there is a lot happening in the heavenly realm, which by the way is around us all here. It's not just out there somewhere, it's around us and so there are whole hosts of angels you know we talk about jacob talked about a host of angels we talk um, elisha talked about this host of angels i don't think we i don't think we fully appreciate just how many how many uh, of the angelic realm is there to the bible says in hebrews chapter 1 to serve those who have inherited salvation anybody here inherited salvation have you forgotten we have a whole host of angels that are around about looking to Jesus, looking to God at his command to be there for us. And so we have, we have this incredible thought that we're, we've, we, we, he, the devil's defeated, we've got this heavenly host, and, and God's got us covered never, no, matter, no matter which way we look at it. But when you hear things like, well, you know, the devil's wandering around like a roaring lion, here's the best picture. You, you, you know, that's in Second Peter, uh, sorry, in James and first Peter, I think it is um, but the best picture for that is if you remember um, Daniel in the lion's den and I'm not sure about this it doesn't say this but but I think that those writers may have had this in their mind when they had that vi- that that the way of, de- of explaining what what the adversary by the way here's another point the devil's name is an adversary he's an adversary so an adversary is one who brings slanders he slanders us. He brings accusations. They're false accusations. He's a slanderer. He's an accuser. He brings false accusations. Um, and so you have to realize that you think about, okay, well, how does this picture of the lion that's, that's wandering around, understand this. God is not, there is, God is not um, uh, worrying whether or not he's still going to beat the devil. The devil's done. But we understand that there may be opportunity for uh, uh, fallen angels and demonic realm, the powers of darkness, to influence the world. And I can get into that a bit more if you want to, but that's getting into a lot of eschatology or end time events. Um, but coming back to this idea of there is there is still this this The powers of darkness are still there. They're still um, bringing uh, influence, temptations, ideologies, a whole bunch of stuff. And so here's Daniel. And he's been put into the lion's den. And it's pitch black. And you get the understanding that he could hear and probably smell these lions wandering around him. But he just, in, in who he was in God, and remember he was, he was doing this before Jesus, and, and Jesus has already done so much on the cross. But here's Daniel in the lion's den, and he goes through the whole night, and not one of those lions come anywhere near him. Or if they did, he basically just said, which is what they tell you to do in James and Peter, resist them and they will flee from you. And so somewhere along the line, you've got to get that into your heart. I'm a Daniel. How about you? Mm. I understand there are powers of darkness around about me, but you know what? They have nothing to do with me because guess what? I am a son of the living God. And all that has been won on the cross has been given to me. How about you? And so I just stand in the victory of the cross. And so I, 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 my, my picture is like a Daniel that you simply just know they're all around you, but they can have nothing to do with me because I know who I am in Jesus Christ. And I know who Jesus Christ is in me. And so I simply put my hand up and say, speak to the hand. Because, you see, um, it talks about we wrestle, we wrestle um, with, with these these things. And the point of the matter is, the only wrestling I do is simply go, point, uh, you know, just... Speak to the hand, I'm not interested. You, 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 the demonic realm know that I know who I am and they know that I will simply stand there and say, you can do what you like, you can roar, you can, you can do all the things you want to do, but you have nothing to do with me because I am in Jesus. I resist you in the name of Jesus and they will flee from me. How hard is that? Do you think that we sometimes
0: blame the devil for our own foolishness in we terms always, of...
1: We are so wanting to blame somebody else except take responsibility for our own silly choices. Yeah. So the answer and is so, yes. Yeah. And, yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay, well, you, you I, I hear it so say it in that many tone. Times. You could have just, you know...
1: I hear it all the time, you know, it's the devil, it's the devil. No, it's not, it's you. You're, you're making dumb choices, take responsibility for it, stop blaming everybody else, and particularly stop thinking that you're in a, some kind of an attack, that the devil's got you all messed up, you know, and seriously, people.
0: APPLAUSE <sighs> um, you mentioned, you mentioned the work of the cross before in terms of Jesus has done it all. Um, what, what's your take or what's your view on generational curses? So second, third generations where people, that, you know, whatever it might be, and, you know, we need to break this curse over the family or the, whatever it might be. What's, what's your take on that, given that we know that Jesus broke every curse on the cross? The Bible does tell us that there is such a thing as, although it never uses
1: the term generational curses, that's a term that we've given it. But it does speak about these things in Genesis and where um, you know, a generation that's an unrighteous generation continually just uh, uh, defiles and, and, and will have nothing to do with God. And it says that those that behavior can impact generations to the third and fourth generation after that but here's the news, people. You've got to get the good news, right? There's always good news in this. In the book of Ezekiel and in Deuteronomy, it tells us clearly that a righteous son will not be punished for the works of an unrighteous father. In other words, if you're in Jesus Christ, then he has given you his righteousness, right? Right? So if you believe that there has been unrighteous works in, the, in your uh, family history and line, but you've now come into that wonderful place with Jesus, well, the scriptures are clear. That curse is now finished and broken in Christ. So you don't have to fear anything to do with generational curses. Yet it does say that if you are not, basically if you are not in Christ, well then you will find that the, the way that uh, the ideologies and the idol worship and, and the traditions and, and all of the religious stuff that, that, that happens in previous generations does get passed on and it will keep uh, uh, later generations in bondage, basically living under that, those false understandings or curses. But the good news is, people... It's clear that, that generational curses are broken, particularly in, for a Christian who is in Christ Jesus. Talk to me about demons. One person thought that was great. Oh man, I hope the rest of you get this. Please, please, you you are in Christ. You've got if you hear nothing else today, I hope you don't hear I don't hope you don't walk out of here thinking about the devil and about the I hope you keep talking about the work of the cross yeah. and how much Jesus has done for me and how much in
0: Christ I am set free. Talk to me about demon possession and demon oppression. I'm and possessed. My wife hates me, hates me saying this. Glad you clarified that statement. Because I
1: didn't know what my next follow up question was going to be. She says, (laughs) You never, I wish you wouldn't say that. And I said, Well, I am possessed. And so is everyone else here if you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Hello? If you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, that means anyone who was saying that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, and at the point of salvation, you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, well, then you are now possessed of the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you this, wherever the Holy Spirit is living, the unholy spirit can't. So no Christian can ever be possessed. But oppressed? Yes. Well <laughs> I get I get a bit I get a bit iffy around all of this stuff because I know that people are there's and, and look honestly with all respect if you fe- if you feel that you can have prayer and, 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 and you, you feel like something's happened in your world and you get set free from stuff, hey, oh, fantastic. I'm all about people being set free, right? But this guy, there's no way in the world you're going to be able to tell this guy that, that I can be possessed or have an unholy spirit living in me when I have the Holy Spirit indwelling me. That's just bottom line. Now, can I be depressed or oppressed? 100% I can be depressed and oppressed. And what, would that look, what, what does that look like? So if you, if you want the best illustration of that, you go to 2 Peter chapter 2. And 2 Peter chapter 2 tells us about Lot. Some of you will know about Lot and Abraham. So we go all the way back into Genesis. Now, for those of us maybe just a bit rusty on that, Lot was Abraham's nephew. And uh, Lot, for whatever his reasons decided that he would, the Bible puts it this way, pitch his tent toward a place called Sodom. Now, anyone knows anything about Sodom, you know that it's a place where it was debauched. It was depravity. It was everything that you would think would be against the things of God. And not that I want to speak ill of our world, uh, because I know that Jesus gave his life for our world. But, but if you want to think about the way that uh, uh, our world functions and operates quite often, it's, it comes from the same, it's the same kind of thing as what was going on in Sodom. Uh, please, you did not hear me say that the world is Sodom, but I am saying that, that the behaviors and the things that were happening in Sodom are happening in our world today. So it says of Lot that Lot decided he was wanting to pitch his tent towards the things of Sodom rather than towards the things of God. Even though in 2 Peter it says that that Lot was a righteous man and, and still referred to him as a righteous man, this is pre-Jesus, so that meant that he had a right standing with God. So it says, righteous Lot, who pitched his tent towards Sodom, tormented his soul and was oppressed by the way that he had um, allowed himself to get influenced by Sodom. Here's the thing, people. We are in the world, but we're not of it. The fact of the matter is, we need to realise that the world and the ways of the world over which we know powers of darkness have influence are constantly Um, pressing in on us. You can't not, it cannot, you can't get out of it. It's like you're a fish in an aquarium. If you get out of the water, you're dead. And so the the water's got to be around you. And you have to realise this, that the the influences of uh, the powers of darkness in the world will be pressing in against you all the time. However, um, and so there is an oppressive, at times if you feel an oppressiveness or regularly are depressed, you just feel there's a depression and we can get back into it, there's another form of that but we'll stick with the oppression. It talks about Lot who tormented his soul, who was oppressed because he was living in that place of Sodom. I think we are all as Christians need to be very aware that because we are living in our world today that has behaviours very similar to Sodom, That we are in a position of constantly being oppressed and that we need to be constantly therefore coming back to who I am in Jesus Christ and greater is he that lives in me than he that lives in the world. Uh, Am I the only one? I said greater is he that lives in you than he that lives in the world. And yet we've been called to be in the world and to be a light in the world but not of the world. So yes, you can easily become oppressed if you get if you get laxadaisical or you just you don't you're not conscious of those things.
0: In my second year of being a pastor here at this church, I received a phone call um, and there was no other pastors around, and so they went to the young guy. And this particular person wanted a pastor to come and um, pray for their house. Because they felt it was haunted by evil spirits. Um, life of a pastor. And I declined because I said, how about I just pray over the phone and we'll see if that will do. I was very inexperienced. And um, was, that, was that the right answer in terms of because I said, look, I don't think that your house is haunted, but I can pray for God's peace. Can, can, here's my question. Can evil spirits inhabit inanimate objects like houses? We hear things like haunted houses, those kind of things. What's your view on that?
1: I don't see it in the scriptures. I can't find in the scriptures where, where powers of darkness go and live in, in places like houses. I'm not sure about the person that rang you, whether they were where they stood in Jesus. But I do know that if the inhabitants of a house are not Christians, are not Christians, therefore not indwelt by the Holy Spirit, that they could be possessed, and therefore the the place is haunted because they're in it. Right. Okay. Um, but but if they, if if you, I think I think people get you know they they sort they they sort of they might feel a presence. I feel a presence. I've walked into a place and I felt a presence. Um, and I I'm. I, it, I know that there are people that would tell me I've been into places, Brennan, and there's just a presence in that place. Well, I I have to accept that because I'm not going to say you're telling me lies. But if you walk in to that place and you have got the Holy Spirit, what does that presence have to do? See you later. Mm. So I I walk around with the understanding where, you know, if you take just a little candle into a dark room Mm. And wherever that light, even though it's a small little candle, wherever that light goes, what does the darkness have to do? Go. That little light just gets rid of all. It may not. That's just a just a little candle. Well, you've got the Holy Spirit living in you. You walk into a place where there's a presence. That presence just has to go. If you are, if you're going to, if you're not, see the problem is if you're going to say you don't even think about that. You don't even think about the fact that you're a spirit being. You don't even mm. think about the fact that you have the Holy Spirit living in you. You don't even think about those things. Well, then, of course, you're going to feel a little bit oppressed by the thing around you. But, um, but no, I, I, I don't pray for, um, you know, houses that are haunted.
0: So I was right. Yes, mate. Yeah. Okay. That's all I just need. That was just a personal question just for me. One thing that, um, we are are quickly running out of time, but one thing that I guess, um, particularly the conversation over the last 20-odd minutes is, and it's just rolled off the tongue, naturally you have quoted scripture after scripture, and I think that is a huge part of understanding the supernatural, but also understanding how God puts his super on our natural. God has given us the Bible and it's not just about reading the Bible, but studying the Bible and applying the Bible. Would that be, I guess, probably one of your pieces of advice in in understanding in, in walking in the supernatural? People, we've got to understand what the Scriptures give us, so that we can then apply it in two thousand and twenty three. Without a doubt, um, the Scripture is your sword. Yeah, and you need to you need
1: to know your Scriptures, people, and not only know them, but you need to actually take take them and and. And believe them and apply them to your life. See, the thing is, um, I am. I am. I, I believe in my heart that I am always conscious, and therefore, in my subconscious, an understanding that I am a super, I live in the supernatural. I live there yeah. because I am a spirit being. And so wherever I am, whatever I'm doing, I, I, I understand the authority and the power that I have in the, in the name of Jesus. And just on that, you know, be careful. Just be careful. I've noticed that time has gone so quickly. And Are we doing this again next we week? Are. All yeah. right. Okay. So just be careful with this stuff. Um, many years ago when I was a young pastor, that was many years ago, I was invited to an exorcism. And I can assure you, if you've ever been to an exorcism, people, and it's a full-on exorcism, you don't want to do it again. It's for real. Okay? It's, it's, full, it's full-on. But the thing is this. The scriptures tell us in Second Peter that not even the angels will bring an accusation against, and some scriptures still call fallen angels glorious ones meaning ones that still are in the supernatural and have a lot of power and a lot of authority. So don't be messing around. Here's what the scripture tells us to do, and this is all I do. Resist, just, I know, I just keep repeating who I am in Jesus Christ. I don't go on about, you get out, you foul devil, I'm going to take you on it. Be careful, just be careful. No, no, you come back to this. This is who I am in Jesus Christ. I know the power that's of the cross and I understand that the, Holy, the greater one that lives in me, that, the greater is the one that lives in me than he that lives in me. You know that. I know that. Resist and he will go. Your greatest, your greatest defense to any of the stuff around you, this is walking in that supernatural, is your, is your own testimony. You have to know your testimony. You have to understand the power of the blood of Jesus and know your testimony. I live there. This is where I live. I am constantly going back over and, and thanking God for the wonderful grace that took this, this, this total unbeliever and said, I'll, have, I'll, I'll reveal myself to you. Please, people, you've got, to, you've got to come back to how God is so real to you and you walk in those things. So then it goes on to say this, that you don't, do not mess around with, with devils and demons and fallen angels and all that sort of stuff. That's all you do. You simply say, the Lord rebuke you. Did you hear it? It says that's what the archangel Michael said. And he's the boss. <laughs> and so I'm not going to mess. All I do is, if, if, there is if, if I felt there was anything that was really starting to bother me, I would simply say, the Lord rebuke you in Jesus' name and get on with my life. Yeah. So know your Bible.
0: Yeah. If... I guess over the, next, the course of the next two weeks today and, and uh, next Sunday, um, if people have questions or, or I guess maybe it has sparked some more thoughts or, um, and I'm conscious that obviously we have One Hour Connect next week, so that's going to be an interesting conversation. Um, uh, we'd recommend that obviously come and talk to you, come and talk to any of our pastoral team um, so that we can direct you to the scriptures and direct you to, hopefully to bring some clarity around these ideas of the supernatural, Yeah.
1: 100%. I count it the greatest privilege and joy if people put time aside and they say, you know what, I really want to, I really do want to find out more about this and I want to understand it for my own life. Man, i just love the opportunity to sit and talk with you about that and lead you through the
0: Scriptures, um, as would all of our pastors. Awesome. Mate, I'm going to let you uh, pray and uh, wrap things up, and uh, we'll finish with one final song. But why don't we thank Pastor Brendan this morning?
1: Thanks, Pastor Gerard. Um, and of course, I think we've got another one coming up. So maybe if you do have questions from any of that, you might want to shoot them through to, I don't know, jared where they'd get those questions to, but um, get them through to church and it will get through to Jared, and he might screen them and then we could go from there. Otherwise, we'll, we'll go into whatever else uh, Pastor jared has got to say. Um, people, I want to leave us this morning with, with uh, just that one thought, though. Um, we need to realise the power of the cross. We, we've really got to come back to understanding that the work of the cross and the completed work of the cross means that you have got, you and I have absolutely nothing to be concerned about when it comes to devils and demons and whatever Satan's up to. Um, we, we know that if, if you remember who, and, and live it, live it, I know who I am in Jesus and I know who Jesus is in me. And if you are able to say, I get it, Brendan, I understand that, the, that I have this um, confidence and assurance that if there is a presence there, if there is any, any oppression around, if there is any of that kind of stuff, and remember this, remember this, generational curses are broken, you're in Christ, the Bible teaches it clearly, they're broken in Jesus' name. Um, please remember that. And please also remember that wherever you go, you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And, and so probably not a good idea for you to walk around saying you're possessed. Um, uh, you know, uh, you understand in this context, you might be able to go, well, I am possessed by the Holy Spirit. Uh, probably not a good idea when you're talking to people who, who don't really get all of that. Um, but, but remember that you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. He lives in you. Greater is he that lives in me. And so you have all, You have. We, we, Jesus has done it all for us. There is absolutely nothing, 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 nothing for us to be concerned about when it comes to the supernatural except that we have been well positioned in Jesus and if you actually do feel at times that there, that there is this, this demonic activity around your life, well then speak to the hand in Jesus' name and the Lord rebuke you I know who I belong to and, and the greater is he that lives in me. Am I right? And I really pray and believe that you walk out of today feeling a whole lot more empowered to say, hey, it's all been done. I walk in the, in the wonderful victory of Jesus Christ. So Father, that's our prayer this morning. That you would continue, Father, past today, even as we would leave this place, that you would continue to speak to everyone and and Father, I pray by the Holy Spirit that you would reveal to every heart just how it is that you have completed everything that you said needed to be done on that cross, that we would be here today and not have to have any concerns at all about any kind of demonic activity or any kind of power of the darkness or presences or anything else. Help us to realize, Father, that it is... It is so much more important for us to remember that as a spirit being, a spirit being, before I'm a human being, but as a spirit being, that I actually begin to live out of a consciousness of the spirit realm, and that I live out of a consciousness of the fact that in that spirit realm, that who who we are in Jesus' name, we are the church. We are the church. And we are his sons and daughters, and we belong to him, and we bear his name. He told us that we could take his name. So, Father, we pray that you would continue to reveal these things in even greater measure to every heart in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, Amen and Amen. And the team's going to, we're going to conclude with one last song.